0: Amen. Well, part of my message is a little bit of a review even from the last time I was here a couple months ago, and some of you were here, some of you were not, but I have just been so stuck on this idea of just kind of going back to the basics. Why did Jesus come? Who was he? What was the purpose behind it? What was going through his mind? What was in his heart? And uh, you'll hear a word that I use Today, it's a really fancy word called the incarnation, which literally means that God became flesh. God God became a man. And I just think there's so much there that we need to understand that can just begin to unlock some things in our hearts. But before I get there, I want to say this. I'm going to start with a statement. Rather, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever in this room, every issue that you walked in here with, regardless of what it is, is actually an identity issue. You don't know who you are, and you don't know whose you are. So you walk through life with this fog where you start trying to find your way through and it. Lead, it leads you into all these different directions. It, it's, not a, it, it's not a demon. It's probably not the devil. It's not even someone else's fault usually. It's an identity issue. Because you don't know who you are. And more importantly, because you don't know whose you are. We get into all kinds of trouble. We get into all this delusion. We get into darkness. We get into all these different problems that we face. Because you don't have these Boundaries in place that would naturally be there if you knew these things. Because we don't know who God is, we find ourselves in a fog trying to figure our way through life. And what ends up happening is, is because you don't allow Him to be just the source and the structure of your life, you just create all of these rules for yourself that just begins to create shame, dysfunction, guilt. Because it's not the life that God had for you. Now, when we talk about this, what we tend to find is in every single religion in the world, there's there's one foundation. There's God or gods or some kind of God, some kind of being out there, up there, wherever. And then there's us down here. And then there's this separation. There's this chasm between that we have to try to find a way to sort of bridge the gap. It's us down here, God up there, and we've got to figure out how to get there. Every religion in the world will tell you some form of that. The difference is that in Christianity, we actually have a God that came to us. We have a God that actually... Completely removed the gap of separation between us and him. Amen. Amen. Can everybody hear me okay? I'm just going gonna, gonna to put this down. Every religion has man down here, God up there, and you've got to figure out your way how to get there. But Christianity is the only one where God actually stepped into time and space and said, I'm going to come to you. Even a couple of years ago, I would have come here and told you that what Jesus did was he, he came, he created a way for you to get to heaven, and what happened was you're, you're here, God's there, and Jesus is the bridge, and you just have to walk across the bridge. There's still the separation, but now what I'm beginning to understand is that through the cross, through the death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and enthronement of Jesus— he has actually completely removed the separation altogether. He has brought all things together within himself, both in heaven and on earth. And now, regardless of who's in this room, there is no separation between you and God this morning. Amen. Amen. Amen, brother. Amen. It doesn't matter if you were born again as a child or if you have no idea what I'm talking about. Thank you. Amen, bro. You don't get a vote in this. Jesus is right there. He's right there. And all we have to do this morning is turn the light on and see that he was standing there all along. So no longer do we have this separation between God and man where we're trying to find our way to God. Jesus has come to us. Jesus has come to us. So we see, uh, and I didn't, this isn't a verse we're gonna look at. I've got plenty of verses we're gonna look at. But if you read Luke 15, you have a story of a lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. Lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. And you begin to see that each time the father goes after the son, the shepherd goes after the sheep. They don't wait for you to come back. So I want to tell you, you may be lost this morning. You may not know why you're here. You may not understand. You're not finding your way back to God this morning. He is chasing you down, pursuing you this morning. Amen. I was talking to someone the other day about the story of the Good Samaritan. You know, the guy's walking down the road, he gets robbed, he gets beaten, he gets kind of thrown in a ditch on the side of the road and people keep passing him by until the Good Samaritan comes and then he begins to bandage his wounds, picks him up, takes him to a hotel, buys you know pays his stay there and says, take care of him and anything else that he needs, you do it and I'll pay for it. Amen. Jesus is our Good Samaritan. Amen. Jesus is the one that found us picked us up, and took us in. Now, here's the problem. That's not the gospel that we've believed. Because what most of us here have heard and what most of us would tell people is, Jesus is the good Samaritan, and he's going to find you in that ditch. And he's going to say, do you believe that I'm the good Samaritan? And you have to say, well, yes, Lord, I believe. And he says, okay, well, if you can find a way to get out of that ditch and get to the end, I'll pay for you. You see how we've missed it? We've got all of these things that we've invented because we don't know who he is. So we begin to create these rules. We begin to create all of these different things that you've got to do. You've got to check this box. You've got to dress a certain way. You've got to talk a certain way. You've got to look a certain way. And the reason is we are searching for a way to differentiate ourselves from the world and from everybody else. And we try to create this paradigm between us and them inside and outside. And if you want to become one of us, you've got to do all these things and look just like us. And the reason is is because what we have done is we have robbed Christianity of the truth of the gospel that Jesus came to us. We've invented a man-made gospel that says you've got to do this, this, this to get to heaven. And it's made us just like every other pagan religion in the world. And then people spend their entire lives striving, dealing with shame and dysfunction and guilt because we won't tell them that Jesus has already solved their problem. Amen, bro. The world does not need you to tell them how dark they are. Amen. The world does not need you to tell them how much in sin they are. They need you to tell them about a light that is shined forth in the darkness. And the darkness comprehends it not. And we've become masters at telling people about all their problems. We're really good at pointing the finger and saying, you've got this wrong. You've got this wrong. You've got to fix this. If, and again, if you want to become one of us... And what we've missed is what Paul tried to tell us was that before the foundation of the world, he set his love on you. And there is nothing any of us in here can do to change that. Amen. His name is Abba. My name is Beloved. And that's never going to change. And, and I, I, want, I want you to hear this. My name was beloved before I got everything in order. My name was beloved before I repeated a prayer. My name was beloved before I was in darkness and delusion and didn't know who I was. Amen, bro. I don't care who you are in this room. I don't care what you did. You may have done something horrible on your way here. I don't know. You may not have done the, the church thing before. You may not have understood you know, that you were supposed to do this and that and this and that. Before you were ever lost, Jesus was already the solution. Before the foundation of the world, Paul said, he chose us. Another another portion of scripture, he would say, you were predestined to the image of his son, to be conformed to the image of his likeness. That means before you ever messed up, Jesus was already solving the problem. Before you ever fell. I want to go even further. Before Adam fell, he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And with that, we're left with this question. Was God different the day after the fall in the garden than he was the day before? Was God any different the day after Adam fell as he was before? Because what we've understood is, man walked with with God in the garden. It was the cool of the day. They had communion. They shared fellowship. They took dominion over the garden. and they, They walked together, but then Adam fell. And then suddenly, we've got an angry God on our hands. And then we spend our lives hiding in the garden, just like Adam did. And then we got even darker, and we began to say, well, we have angry God who needs to be appeased. Somebody's going to get punished and it's either going to be Jesus or it's going to be you and me. You got angry God, you got good Jesus. You got good cop and you got bad cop. And we've walked in this double-mindedness of seeing you've got good Jesus, frustrated, angry, disapproving, distant God. You see what we've done? But I want to show you today that Jesus is the perfect representation of who the Father is. Jesus is exactly what God has to say about Himself. Jesus is the fullness of God revealed. And what that means is you and I don't have to fear this morning. You and I don't have to wonder how He feels about us. You and I don't have to wonder what's going on in our lives. You and I can walk in confidence knowing that God is for us. That he's the same today as he was before the fall. That he has the same feelings towards you, the same love, the same forgiveness, the same grace that he had for you before you ever fell. And all you have to do this morning is raise your hands and say, I believe it. And I receive it. it. And we (laughs) repent, which means to change the way that you think. And you need to decide this morning of what's already true. You know that 40 times in the book of John, it said that Jesus was sent by the Father? Sent. He was sent. What John's trying to show us is this is not Jesus trying to make his way into a peace, his angry father, so that he can take the beating reserved for us. He's trying to show you, no, this is in the heart of the Father to send me here to make sure that we bring you back into fellowship with us. Amen. 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 But because we don't understand this, we create a gospel that's consistent with other religions. We create this angry, distant, disapproving God that's somewhere out there in the vast distance. And you've got to figure out a way to get to Him. And you're going to spend the rest of your life wondering if you've done enough. And you're going to spend the rest of your life frustrated. You're going to spend the rest of your life dealing with the same issues that you're dealing with right now because you don't ever know you don't ever have assurance. You don't ever actually know if you've done enough. And it's because you're still trying to do it instead of realizing that he already did it for you. Amen. Amen. A few people experience the fullness of what is available to them because we have such a poor view of who God is. We've created this angry, distant God that I'm talking about. A.W. Tozer, he, he had a famous saying that he said the, that what a man thinks about God is the most important thing about him. Because he understood that our view of God would shape our entire worldview. And it's true whether you realize it or not. If you're angry, if you're bitter, if you're hateful, it's likely a result of this root deep inside of you that says that God is also angry and bitter and lacks patience with you. So then you project that onto other people. You don't see God as good. You don't see him as kind. You don't see him as patient. So then you project those feelings through yourself. We hear so many messages about so many things, but so few of us know who Jesus is. We don't know who the father is. We don't know what what was in his heart when he sent Jesus. And we'll never come into our own identity until we understand his. So Jesus comes up to Peter and he says, who do you say that I am? And he says, well, some say you're a prophet. Some say you're this, some say you're that. And he goes, no, 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 no. Who do you say that I am? And he says, well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he goes, okay, flesh and blood is not revealed as to you, but my father did. Now I can call you a rock. You can actually be Peter, the rock that I'll build my church on. But I can't call you a rock until you understand who I am. And in the same way, you'll never become who you are until you know who he is. Right. <laughs> Ephesians 1.17, Paul said, I'm praying that the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus would enlighten your heart so that you could know his inheritance in the saints. Revelation of Jesus followed by you understanding who you are in Jesus. So I could stand up here today and tell you all about who you are But the only way you're ever going to come into agreement with who you are and who God's called you to be is to know that you have a father that's for you, a father that loves you, a father that's not mad at you and never has been and wants to bring you into the fullness of what he's promised you. Why did Jesus come? Why did he come? Why did he reveal himself to us? What was his purpose in coming? If I asked you that question, we'd get so many answers. You know, he he died so we could go to heaven. He died so we didn't have to go to hell. You know, he he died for, for a number of reasons. But when we start to look at what Jesus was actually doing, you begin to see something very interesting. Okay, if you go back in the Old Testament, there's only 15 times in the entire Old Testament where God is referred to as a father. And it's never personal. It's always the father of Israel, the father of this, the father of that. But then Jesus comes and over 100 times in the book of John alone He refers to God as his Father. And we question what Jesus' message was. The heart of the New Testament is the relationship between the Father and the Son and you being invited to share in that fellowship. And Jesus comes to say, I'm going to tell you about a father. And then it's mind-blowing to the Jews in their day because they're, they're saying, you're talking about Elohim. You're talking about Yahweh. We've seen this God in a distance. We saw our ancestors touch an ark and died immediately. We watched the priest walk into the Holy of Holies with a bell tied around their ankles so that we could know if they made it out alive. And then you're going to have the audacity to come and say, he's your father. Nobody talks to God that way. And Jesus says, well, I'm here to show you that maybe you've got it wrong. And that's when we begin to see the heart of what Jesus is actually doing. Like I said earlier, Jesus Christ is exactly what God has to say about himself. Uh, another, I've, I've heard another pastor say it like this. Jesus Christ is perfect theology. Perfect theology. Be afraid of anything that you think you know about God that you can't find in the person of Jesus. Be afraid of anything you think you know about God that you can't find in the person of Jesus. So we see Jesus. Jesus loves the poor. Jesus has a heart for the widow. Jesus has a heart for the woman caught in adultery, but not God, (laughs) not the Father. That's what we've we've done. We've we've created this compartmentalized God in our brains to say, again, angry God, but nice Jesus. But Jesus says, no, I'm the fullness of who he is. I'm going to look at a few verses to show us this. Turn with me to John 1. John chapter one. We're going to start in verse one. John 1, verse one, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And what's interesting about this is John's gospel starts so differently than the other gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, they they usually start with a genealogy, trying to trace Jesus back to Adam. And they're trying to identify with his humanity. And then if you fast forward about 40 years, which is roughly about how long John took to write his gospel... And tradition tells us that John actually didn't even want to write a gospel. He basically said they did a good enough job. But then what happens is in the early church, a heresy started to rise where people started to try to strip Jesus of his divinity. And they said, well, he was highly favored. He was good. He was a prophet, a teacher, no doubt, but he was not God. And then John and his disciples rise up and say, no, we are going to declare him as fully God. So John says, well, Matthew started in Adam." I'm going to trace it back to the beginning of the beginning and say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And what he begins to do is he creates a framework for us to understand that for all eternity, God dwelled in perfect unity and fellowship between Father, Son, and Spirit. That's so important because if he's a singular, distant something, alone in the voidness that was before he created the earth, then the only reason God created something was for his benefit. And it was for him to create you and me so that we could do something for him. But if God dwells in perfect fellowship with himself and says, you know what, this relationship is so good, I actually have to share it, then he creates man in his image and says, now I'm going to share that so that now we can have confidence to understand that the reason you were born was fellowship. The reason you were created was to have fellowship with the Father and the Son through the Spirit. And that this entire thing that we called life was created out of other-centered love, wanting to share, not some distant, powerful being that just made stuff to do something for him, He's not a taskmaster. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what his father is doing. I call you friends. Yeah. And then identifies us the rest of the time as a friend, a bridegroom, or a friend, of, or a friend, a bride, or a friend of the bridegroom. That's who you are. Okay, so in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. All right, now jump down, John 1, start in verse 14. Then John begins to tell us, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness, we have all received. This verse is messing with me. Read that again. Of his fullness, we have received. No, No one else gets to say that. You've got God, creator and sustainer of all things, is what he told us before. In the beginning, of the beginning of the beginning, there was God. Just meditate on that for a second. In the beginning, there's God. This God speaks, and everything that you know and don't know that exists was just there. And then John says, we saw him, and now understand his fullness you've received. In the Old Testament, they would say, no one can see God and live. Even Elijah's going to say, show me your glory. And he'll say, well, I'll show you a little bit because I can't show you everything. But then Jesus says, okay, that's true. So I'm going to come in a form that they can comprehend. I'm going to make myself like them. I'm going to become one of them. And I'm going to present myself in a form that won't destroy them. And in goodness, he steps into our reality and says, I'm here. And now you and I have the privilege of standing here this morning and saying, of his fullness, we've received. That means there's no part of God this morning that is not accessible to you. Amen. Amen. Of his fullness, we have received grace for grace. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ verse 18 this is important no one has seen god at any time the only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father he has declared him think about this no one has seen god and then suddenly a man shows up and says i've seen him and i've known him from the beginning and i'm here to declare him to you and now of your fullness they will receive Why is that important? Because suddenly you are not allowed to have any picture of God in your mind that is not part of the fullness that Jesus declared to you. Amen. So I want to challenge you this morning, and I think once we finish reading these verses, you'll see it. If there's any part of God in your mind this morning that does not look like Jesus, you need to repent of it. Because he's not angry. He's not disapproving. He's not looking to punish someone. He's not smiteful. He's not retributed. He's not disappointed with you this morning because that's not a part of the fullness that Jesus declared of who God was. Amen. Of this fullness we've received, no one has seen God at any time. You know, it's interesting because in the Old Testament, it would say a, a verse similar. It, it says something like this. You are the Lord. Your glory you will not share with another. Mm -hmm. But then Jesus comes in John 17 and throughout and says, Father, the glory that I had with you before the foundation of the world, I've given to them. them. Hold on. We have a contradiction because the Bible said he wouldn't share his glory with another. The solution is is that you're not another. Another. Jesus became just like you so that you could become just like him. Amen. <laughs> so the word became flesh and dwelt among us, with us, we beheld his glory. Amen. The only begotten of the Father. No one's seen God except us because we've seen Jesus. Yes. Wow. Hebrews would have said it like this: In days past, he spoke to us with prophets and teachers. Now he speaks to us through the language of his son. Amen. Jesus, Jesus is the only thing God has to say about himself. Amen, bro. Okay, go to uh, John 14. John 14. I love, love, love this. John 14, verse 7. If you had known me, you would have known my father. And from now on, you know him because you've seen him. Is this not mind-blowing? One of my favorite Bible teachers, he said, Christianity begins, or no, true faith begins in astonishment. If you're not astonished, you've settled for something far short. This astonishes me. That Jesus can come on the scene and say, they'll they'll say well show us the father and that'll be enough for us and he says if you've seen me you've seen the father you've already seen him look at this if you'd known me you would have known my father also and from now on you do know him and have seen him philip said to him lord show us the father and it's sufficient for us verse 9 jesus said have i been with you so long and yet have not known me philip he who has seen me has seen the father jesus fully Identifies with who he is, saying, I am the fullness of what you know as Yahweh. The and I'm going to declare this to you of his fullness we have received. Look at John 17. John 17. The whole chapter, honestly, if I could read one chapter forever, I think this would be it. So go read the rest of the chapter. But look at verse 26. I have declared to them your name and will declare it. That the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Think about this. This is Jesus. Jesus is at the end of his life. And if anybody's ever spent any time with someone at the end of their life, you know they've got some things they're trying to get off their chest. This is like the last time that I get to share something with you, so I need you to listen. And Jesus starts to pray, and they get to eavesdrop on this conversation. Imagine watching the son communicate with the father, and you get to just listen. And what Jesus says is, Father, I have declared you to them, and I will declare it. Do you sense the passion in that? I've declared it, and Lord, I will declare it to them. Jesus has taken responsibility to say, I will make you known to them. I will make you known to them. I will reveal the heart of a father to them. And you can almost, if you start to just sort of paint the picture, you can see Jesus heartbroken because he's seen the Jews year after year, generation after generation live in fear. And what Jesus says is, I'm going to declare who you really are so that we can eventually get to Hebrews where he's going to say, we can approach the throne of grace boldly without fear or trembling. Yeah, I mean, Go say that to someone that watched Uzzah die after the ark fell. <coughs> yeah, man, you can just approach him without fear or trembling. He's going to say, no, I don't think so because you didn't see what I saw. <laughs> That's the God that I know. And Jesus says, I'm going to show you who he really is. Yes. Amen. I Thank will you. declare it. I will declare it. Okay, go to uh, Colossians 2. Colossians 2. Colossians 2, verse 9. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. For in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So there it is again. Jesus is is the full representation of who God is. Amen. Another translation would have said he is the divine portrait of who God is. If you want to know who God is, just look at Jesus. Right. What does God feel? What is God like? How does he talk? Look at Jesus. The fullness of the Godhead bodily. Go over to uh, Colossians chapter one. who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. Over and over and over again, you see it. I will declare your name. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Of his fullness we have now received. No one has seen the Father at any time but the only begotten of the Father who has now been revealed and declares it to us. The image of the invisible God, the full representation of who he is is found in Jesus. Again, Jesus is exactly what God has to say about himself. Be afraid of anything you think you know about God that you can't find in the person of Jesus. He's perfect theology. He is perfect theology. Let's look at one more verse. Go over to First uh, John. First <laughs> John 1 starts very similar to his gospel. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested to us, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father... And was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. In these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. Verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now, see this. This word of life, which we've handled, which we've seen, which we've looked upon. This is eternal life. Jesus would have said, This is eternal life that they may know him. We've created this theology that says eternal life is you get into escape from hell. And they don't even go there. <laughs> They're so captivated by the goodness of what they've been invited into. They're not even concerned about what, what the alternative is. They are so wrapped up in this hope that they have in what Jesus has declared that suddenly we have a father that loves for us, that cares for us, that actually wants to be with us. This is the God that we, that we know. Think about this. Think about this. This is the word that we declare to you that we heard from him, that our fellowship is with each other, but our fellowship is with the Father and the Son. So again, there's that invitation. But then watch this. John is going to say, we saw him. We spent days, hours, weeks, years with this man. We ate breakfast together. We camped out together. We spent miles and miles and miles walking with him. In other words, if anybody knows him, it's us. OK, we saw him, we handled him, we spoke to him, we we observed his way of life and we memorized his teaching. I mean, think about how much John remembered if 40 years later he's writing this. And 40 years later, he's able to write down the gospel of John. Think of how this has stuck with him, how much it shaped his life. He says, I have seen this man. I know what he taught. And at the end of that season of my life, of spending every waking moment with him, here's what I came out on the other side with. God is light. Now, I asked you earlier, what was, what was Jesus' message? Why did he come? I suggest we take John's word for it. John says this was his message. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. James would have said every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above in whom there is no shifting or turning. I want to challenge you this morning. And this is where we're going to close. In your view of who God is, have you allowed a little bit of darkness? When bad things happen in the world, do you, do you have just this little bit of a thought that maybe God was behind it? Do, do, you, do you have a little bit of a theology that allows God to have a little bit of shifting there, here and there? I'm challenging myself with this because I'm starting to see it in my own heart where as I begin to see things that, that begin to unveil themselves, as I begin to walk through life, as I deal with the thoughts in my own mind, I say, God, I still have some darkness related to who you are in me. I've allowed some, some, some influence there that, that's separate from the Abba that was revealed in Jesus. Do you have some darkness left in how you see God? Do you still think God is angry? Do you still think that he's schizophrenic? Do you still have a little bit of a God that can change his mind about how he feels about you? Do you have a good Samaritan that will get you out of the ditch and pay your way or do you have one that's going to make you find your own way there? I want us to think about this. We saw him. We lived with him. We know him. And here's what we heard the whole time. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. I want to close with this. God's not mad at you, and he never has been. God does not have the capacity within himself to disapprove of who you are. He may disapprove with your decisions. He may disapprove with your lifestyle right now, but at the core of who you are, there's not an ounce or a shred of shifting within him That would say, I can't love them anymore. In him is no (laughs) darkness whatsoever. Jesus is exactly the full representation of what God has to say about himself. Jesus is God's only message. Jesus is God's only message. He's perfect theology. The fullness of the Godhead bodily, the image of the invisible God, the Word made flesh, the fullness that we have received. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Come on, can we pray? Let's stand to our feet. Lord, we love you. Lord, we repent this morning of believing in anything other than the Abba revealed in Jesus. Lord, I ask you to reveal yourself this morning for who you really are. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that of your fullness we have received this morning. And Lord, I pray for anyone that may be here, God, that has had doubts, that's wondered. Lord, would you assure them this morning that you are not a God that does abandonment. God, that you're not a God that would turn your back. That you're not a God that would leave them as orphans. But there's a Holy Spirit in them that cries out, Abba, Father. Lord, I thank you. You have revealed yourself. Lord, your fullness is available this morning, so, Lord, for anyone here that's dealing with these things, for anyone here that might still have darkness in their heart for how they view you, Lord, would you reveal yourself fully and truly this morning as the God of light within whom is no darkness whatsoever. Within whom is no darkness whatsoever. Come on, can we declare he is good. He is good. He is good. He is good. Lord, we repent any darkness that we've allowed you to have in our hearts. Show us who you are and let the love of God be shed abroad in our hearts. In Jesus' name.